What's up, all you motorcycle enthusiasts? D Woods, and welcome back to another mile post of the V Twin Life, where we talk motorcycles powered by those V Twins. What feels a passion? Why do we enjoy it so much? This episode of the V Twin Life is sponsored by that Northwest brand, Crashing Clothing. You can find them on the World Wide Web at crashinclothing.com and on Instagram at crash underscore inc. Hey, if you guys are on that website ordering yourself some crash gear, don't forget we have that promo code CRASH1. We only release that here on the podcast. Just a little way of saying thanks for all you guys to tune in and listen to this and all your support, feedback, comments. It's awesome. So, hey, Crash One guy is going to save you a little bit of money on some Crash gear. And if you're in that northwest corner of Oregon, don't forget Paradise Harley-Davidson does have Crash Inc. on the shelves. You can swing on in there, and you can get yourself some Crash Inc. gear now. And also, the newest sponsor that has now came into the B-Twin Life, Wild Ass Seats. You can find them at wild-ass.com. And I gotta say, I've talked to a bunch of guys, had a bunch of guys on the on the on the podcast from Riot to Ken Andrews. There's been a bunch of guys that all claim that Wild Ass Seats made a huge difference. And I gotta say, dude, they're not joking. I've put in well, it's less than a thousand miles, but I probably have seven, eight hundred miles in on my Wild Ass cushion, and uh, I'm absolutely freaking amazed at the difference in comfort that you get from these wild ass seats. So if you guys want to really, you know, enjoy some more comfort while you're riding, get rid of that swamp ass because with the vents, little troughs that go through the seat, dude, they make a huge difference. You know, that's my personal experience. I've, you know, I'm still going to continue riding with them, really test them out when I get in some more heat, but I've logged in a lot of miles and I am absolutely thoroughly impress with my wild ass seat cushion so if you guys want to check them out you can go to wild-ass.com you can find them on instagram at wild ass seats so hey check it out if something you like if you enjoy riding you want some more comfort hey check it out for yourself reach out to some guys that try them you'll be amazed and also if you guys are in that looking for a new windshield for your bike long ride windshields we do have that promo code the v twin life 15 is going to save you 15 percent off anything from Long Ride Shields. So, hey, you can check them out at longrideshields.com. See if they got something you might want. So now let's get into Milepost 36 with Joe Miano, a.k.a. if I pronounce his name wrong. Hey, I'm going to apologize up front. I do my best. Nope. But also known as Joe Salty. He is one half of Salty and Sprinkles. They got a cool YouTube channel going, riding all over Texas. He's actually hooked up with another buddy. Sets or pendants who's been on here. Jason, he is super cool. But I reached out to these guys and said, Hey, why don't you guys come on? Cause you know, they enjoy riding. I you know, I watch a lot of different motorcycle movies on YouTube and little shows and dude, I enjoy it. You know, they enjoy riding, enjoy traveling. So hey, let's dive into my post thirty six with Joe Salty. <laughs> What's going on, Joe? Not much, man. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, like I said, I've been looking forward to this all week. I logged in within uh, 20 seconds. Uh, even made sure my Beats uh, Pros were working right. <laughs> awesome. No, hey, man. Thanks for uh, you know accepting the invite, coming on and talking some motorcycles. 
Yeah, it's uh, you said something about Jason and Setzer Pendants and his channel. Man, if you guys are listening to that, go check that guy out because his videos are awesome and he definitely uh, deserves a lot of views, a lot of likes, a lot of subscribes. But uh, that's one of the uh, benefits of this YouTube channel that my wife and I had no clue was going to happen. We're like actually meeting people, it's crazy, like actually making friends that we're going to ride with for like years to come. I'm you know, the same way, like this weekend, I've yeah, I went for a ride Saturday, which met up with uh, Michael Nielsen, better known as Two Wheels to Survive. We've hooked up. I think this is the second time we've ridden together. I mean, we talk a lot on the phone and message back and forth, but Street Glide Trooper, who, I mean, we've been, God, probably messaging back and forth and texting on, you know, whether it's on Instagram or just, you know, back and forth on the phone for, God, it's got to be almost two years. We actually finally got to meet in person this weekend and, and log some miles and, it's, you know, it's crazy the the people you meet within the community, even from, I mean, like you, you know, doing your YouTube stuff and, you know, I'm diving into this adventure, which hopefully I'm going to try to get into the YouTube side of that soon. I just yeah. got to learn some more video editing skills and also just learn when to turn the camera on and, and whatnot. You know, it's a, that's a learning curve and a whole nother ball of worms that you got to figure out. That, that's actually the, the the part I'm learning right now as far as, like, we ride all the time. And we love going to different destinations. But, uh, like, 1% of the time, I'll remember, like, I'll turn my camera on. Like, and I was talking to Sets of Pendants about that. I was like, man, if I, if I filmed as much as we rode, like, it would be a never-ending, like, stream of, like, editing. And I would be a, just a big ball of stress because <laughs> it would be overwhelming. But yeah, the pick and choose your shots and like learning how to do like artistic angles, like that is not me. And I'm actually trying to learn to be a little better. So I got a couple of things up in the uh, in the stream that I'm like, should I post it? But I'm working on it. I'm the same way. And, you know, it's a lot of people I don't think realize how much time you spend editing. I mean, I've made one, you know, one last fall. We had the toy run up here, which me and my dad went and went and rode on and. I bet you I had 90 minutes of footage and I cut it down to 10 minutes and that probably took me like seven hours. And it's like, holy crap. You know, people talk about how time consuming, you know, that side of it is just cutting everything in and making the video. And, you know, I've learned that uh, firsthand. It's like, dear Lord, man, there's so much time goes into that side of it. It's unreal. Yeah, unbelievable. Actually, we uh, so we have an Insta 360 camera on Sprinkles Scout Bobber, and I have a GoPro on my handlebars. And now I just got a new Cena uh, 10C Evo. So now, like, I have to bring together three cameras and have to figure out when in the heck I turned them on, when I turned them off, like, which, like, I'm like looking at backgrounds, and like, I know there's people that do like the snaps or the hand claps, <laughs> and uh, um, it's just uh, overwhelming sometimes, but it's been so much fun though. Well, when did you get into motorcycles? Well, you know, where kind of, where did it start for you with that? Uh, I was actually 16. I had moved to Ohio, you know, I don't know what it is, but like Ohio has like tons of motorcyclists and bikers. And I, uh, when I lived down in Texas, I was, you know, I was like, I moved in when I was a junior in high school and not a lot of people rode motorcycles and where I was at in Texas. I moved to Ohio and like all these dudes had like sport bikes in 16 and 17, 18. I'm like, well, first of all, I thought those things were like super expensive and you guys are like crazy on those things. So like I told my parents, I was like, Hey, I want a motorcycle. And they're like, you pay for it. You buy it. I was like, that's it. <laughs> so I ended up going out and 
getting, a, you know, I had a job and saving the money and I bought myself a 1986 Honda VFR 700. And like, I always make the joke looking back. I'm like, man, I think my parents must've hated me to, for them to be able to give me a, the opportunity to ride a V4 sport bike when I was 16. I'm like, I made it out of a lot of sketchy situations, but <laughs> so I'm always hitting my parents up like, man, you guys really wanted me to die when I was 16, didn't you? Actually, that was my, I didn't have the, uh, the interceptor, but I had the V4. I had the V45 Honda Sabre was my first one, an 83 VF, the V45. Yeah, those, fun. man, I, I know. So I have like a soft spot for like uh, V4 engines. Like anytime I see a VMAX or like an Aprilia or even like the new Ducatis, I'm like, man, like those V4s sound so good. But uh, yeah, I'm still, I'm still biased towards my V-twin. I love my V-twin sound that it makes. Yeah, actually, I actually got to ride one of the, the Challengers last summer when I was down in Idaho. And I was, I was pretty impressed. This, I was yeah. actually amazed. The stock seat was so comfortable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like uh, every motorcycle I've ever had, I've had to change the seat. Like if there's never been a motorcycle I've had that I had, I was like, you know what? That stock seat's okay. Um, I got 10,000 miles on my Challenger over the last six months. <clears throat> we, you know, we just did a trip out to the hill country and we put well over a thousand miles on it. And not once did I even think about my, my behind, my sensitive parts. Um, the only thing is the bars on the stock, you know, the stock bars on the Challenger are kind of a little bit of a reach. So it's one of the things that I think we're going to change out next is get some 14 inch, 14 inch KST bars. And the other uh, thing that was, I'm, kind of... I'm, 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 oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I was going to say I'm a bigger dude. I'm like six, two, two thirty eight, And, uh, everyone, I actually posted one picture on the internet and someone's like, first of all, <laughs> your big ass needs to get handlebars to make that bike look <laughs> right on you. <laughs> it's like, I guess I never, uh, I never looked at it like that. And such repentance was like, yeah, dude, you're like hunched over and uh, it doesn't look very comfortable. He's like, I can't believe you ride like that all the time. Well, it's, you know, I mean, you get it and you kind of adjust and you get used to it. And it's like, Hey, you know, you just, you make it work as you enjoy it and you just want to ride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's for a stock bike, man. Like it's, I mean, you'd have to go into the, the gold wing to get the performance, the comfort, the handling. And I had a gold wing once just to see what all the old guys raved about. I was like, you know, I'm going to get a gold wing. Cause I you know, I'm into performance and uh, yeah, I had an 08 gold wing for a better part of two years and it was a blast, man. But it was, it was so comfortable. Like we'd get done with riding. I was like, I don't feel like I just rode a motorcycle. Like I need to get back on a V twin. <laughs> yeah. I always thought, I mean, years ago I used to have a commute. I mean, I had a GS 750 ES, the Suzuki. And I used yeah. that and which, and then I had my saber before that. And I commuted back and forth to work. It was a 65 mile commute one way. And I always contemplated getting an older gold wing just for a little bit more weather protection it's like you know find an old gold wing and use that as a commuter but i never yeah. did i thought about it yeah we actually uh we were up in northwest of houston like an hour outside of the city and houston's super weird with weather like you can have like a zero percent chance of rain in the forecast go go ride do your thing and you'll be an hour two hours away from your home and like look and there'll be like literally tropical monsoon thunder lightning and you just gotta ride through it because you'll never get home but we uh, we had one of those nights, and we were with, like, four other bikes, all Harleys, and uh, we get to our destination. We were just rolling, like, 60, 70, 80 miles an hour, and the only thing that was wet was, like, I had a part on my ankle that was wet. My wife had some 
like on her boots because she was on the back and we were completely dry like everyone else was soaked <laughs> it was it, it's impressive like i don't know about the new ones but like the older ones that you know the gen probably three or the fours they're solid well i had one of those experiences i went out my son and a couple of his buddies were camping out on the washington coast so one of the kids his dad has a nice uh ultra limited we figured hey you know let's let's ride out to the coast we'll just kind of check on the boys and make sure they're uh you know not getting into trouble like 18 year old boys do yeah and we left port angeles because i'm up in the northwest corner of washington i got 20 miles from my house when i left it was you know blue skies you know it was a little chilly you know mid upper 40s it was in the mountains well, right uh i'm at the base of the olympic mountains oh, okay yeah we, yeah kind of had to ride around him but we get out to the place called lake crescent which is it's a huge lake it's it's a really beautiful place but around the corner halfway around the lake and it starts snowing i'm like you've got to be kidding me and we pull over kind of look at the radar it's like hey you know it's it might stop and you know looks like we're gonna get through it and we end up riding through snow then we hit rain then we hit hail and then sleet all within like five miles we had you know, complete four seasons of bipolar Washington State, and then and then went back to blue skies. Yeah, that's what. Um, that's the, the the weather out there. I can only imagine because my wife and I went to Wyoming for our anniversary this last year. Not on motorcycles, but it made us want us to go back on motorcycles. But I think the one thing that shocked us about Wyoming and all that is like the weather is almost probably more unpredictable than here. Like it was like pop-up storms like crazy just out of nowhere like huge hellacious thunderstorms <laughs> and i don't know if it's because my wife's road name is sprinkles and we brought that luck with us or if it's always <laughs> like that i have no idea well it's like where we live i mean i think you know the weather people try to do the most you can but you get the storms come off and then when they got to rise you got the mountains they got to play with and changes things around it you know i don't i think the weather people have quite the job trying to predict weather the best they can but it is what it is. I mean, it's still, you know, early in the year, but, you know, we try to manage the best we can, but it's still fun. You just kind of got to go and dress in layers and be yeah. prepared for the unexpected. Yeah, that's what, like, in the summertime here in Texas, like, you either uh, you either ride in the rain or you don't ride because, like, you always have, like, this weird 30% chance of rain. But uh, I know a lot of people, like, you got to get rain gear. You got to rain gear. I've, I've pretty much given up on rain gear because it's so hot that you just sweat more than it would be if you just got rained on. Like, and it's like actually more pleasant to get, <laughs> to get that fresh, cool rain when it's raining over here. Well, I had that last summer when I went through uh, Western Montana and I went up over the Bitterroot mountains down into Idaho. It was, I was going through Montana and it was, you know, I'll say between a hundred to 110. It just, it was freaking hot. And I started going up the mountains and it looked kind of dark at the top of the summit of the, Lolo pass and all of a sudden it just unleashes and starts downpouring and i'm like crap and then you know 10 seconds later it's like you know this kind of feels not too bad and yeah. then literally within five minutes the rain stopped but it, it rained hard enough where i was absolutely soaked and then 10 miles down the road i was dry and it was back and riding through a freaking oven like well that was yep. short-lived yeah we actually uh our group our club, a motorcycle club, we uh, we took off from Houston to go to Maggie Valley in North Carolina, the Tale of the Dragon and all that. Mm -hmm. And it was 90% rain, I'd say. Like the, the trip there and back, 
And it got to the point where like we would stop under the underpass and get our rain gear on. And like my one buddy, he's our sergeant at arms and he would just sit there and watch us. He's like, y'all are dumb. Like, y'all, I don't know what you're doing this for. So we would ride in the rain for like 30 minutes, like, like torrential downpour where you're like slowing down to 30 or 40 and uh, you know, making sure everyone can see you. Cause it's like a whiteout and we would be done. And then we, he was like completely dry and we would, you know, we'd still be riding and we'd have our rain gear on. And we would just be soaked, like just sweat drenched. And like, by the time we stopped again, I was like, I'm not doing this again. Like it was miserable, <laughs> absolutely miserable. So I don't even use rain gear anymore, really, unless it's really, really cold. That's about it. I think it's one thing, you know, on the side highways, but you get in the rain and you start riding on the interstates, man, it, <laughs> it sucks. It's not so much the rain. It's everything coming off the road and the cars in front of you and behind you. And yes. God, I hate it. Yeah, it's super nasty. So especially the semis that just like blast you because they don't yeah. care. They'll 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 cruise seventy miles an hour, and uh, you know if you go seventy on a motorcycle when it's flooding, uh, that's probably not the smartest idea. <laughs> yeah, he, you might be asking for a little bit of trouble. So, what made you want to dive into the the YouTube scene doing doing your you know the YouTube videos and everything? Oh man, it's kind of an interesting thing. Like I've been, we've been at it for five months. I just actually had to look back to see how long we've been doing it for, but it took a month before that to actually like get the, the goals to actually hit the upload button on YouTube. Cause I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just strapped a GoPro to my helmet with a mic that I saw on someone else's YouTube channel. But uh, at the time it was when, you know, like Facebook was under like all this scrutiny and like, you know, everything, everything was fake news and, the world was on fire and not that it isn't right now, but man, it was just like dragging my daily morale down. So I like told my wife, I was like, dude, we have so many memories on Facebook and we have so many like things we've like posted on there. And I was like, if I delete Facebook, those are gone. Like I'm not going to have those back. And for the future, we're not going to have any memories. And then I was like, I don't know. I was like, at the time I was doing medical device sales cause I'm a nurse and EMT, but, uh, I was like, I like to talk. I talk to everybody. I don't really know any, you know, any foes. Like I get along, I try to get along with everybody I meet and uh, I don't, you know, don't shut up. And I was like, maybe I'll do a YouTube channel. And like, I started talking to people about it and like, it was kind of mixed. They're like one person, one of our family friends are like, what are you like 14? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe, I mean, my mentality is definitely up there with a the 14 to 16 year crowd the humor, but um now man i just hit the upload and i was like i'll tell my family and friends about it which is kind of like still like man i don't know if i should tell these people what i'm doing because they they might might think of me a little funny but uh next thing you know i just started getting subs and like views and my first couple of you know videos was like why i left harley and went to indian and you know that just brought like all kinds of conflict and both the videos kind of just i wouldn't say blew up but i think they both have over ten thousand views and i was like i had to have yeah, I was like, you know, I know it was because of the controversy of the whole Harley versus Indian, but it was just me going, you know, this is me, this is who I am, this is why I want to do my channel, and want to let you know why I'm on an Indian Challenger and the path that brought me here, and uh, it was pretty, it was pretty painful actually, painful path of how I got, you know, back on an Indian. Yeah, but it's all about you know making your own style. I mean, you look at Indian, you look at Harley, they're both. I mean, God, Indians actually, you know, I think older than Harley and they both have a lot of history and, you know, that's the coolest part about it. You can, whether, I don't care what a person rides personally, you can ride a Honda, Kawasaki, Yamaha, you know, you can go Moto Guzzi. I don't yeah. care. The person wants to go ride, dude. Hey, 
let's go ride. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't hold any bias in anybody. I mean, I've had Hondas, I've had Suzuki's. And, I mean, shit, I just bought another Honda last week. And Heck yeah, those will last forever. Well, actually, you know, it was my wife's idea. She found a 79 Honda CB750F Supersport on Facebook. She's yeah. like, hey, you should get this. It'd be great for the boys. <laughs> and, you know, I started thinking, dude, that would be an awesome cafe racer. Hell yeah. You know, it would build that kind of style. And shit, it had 12,000 miles on it. I got it for 500 bucks. Dude, I can't find no deals like that in te- Texas. The used bike market is absolutely insane. Like everybody wants so much money for like you can put in like three thousand dollars, search anything, and like nothing rideable comes up. It is insane. Like I was talking to my wife about getting a beater bike and fixing it up, and you know just wrenching on some stuff. I'm like, dude, I can't even afford to buy a beater bike that can barely run in Texas. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I have yeah, no this clue. one's been sitting. In a heated garage for it hasn't ran in two years. I mean the battery's still good. You can turn all the lights come on, but there's not enough juice to turn the starter. And lady goes, I think the carbs, you know, are gonna need obviously they're gonna need cleaning because she goes, My husband told me to put some stable in it. I never did. I'm like, eh, all right, you know, no biggie, yeah. but shit, pull the carbs off, clean them and yeah. I mean the bike's in great shape. It's got brand new, you know, tires, rubber's good. The brakes are seized up, so I'm gonna buy all new calipers. But I mean it's got dual disc in the front, single disc on the rear. The chain's new. I mean, it it's not in bad shape at all. I'm like, <laughs> she wanted oh, six hundred bucks. I said, I'll give you five hundred. She's like, deal. <laughs> that's sweet. Let's put it in the truck. Yeah, that's kind of like my first bike I bought. I mean, I know a thousand dollars is kind of not, no, not really. My first bike was a thousand bucks, and it ran perfectly, and it had very low miles, and the thing ripped. Like I said, I can't believe my parents let me buy that. Yeah, I think I paid five or six hundred for my first one for my Honda Saber, and man, I put a ton of miles on that. I took yeah. it around the state. I mean, I commuted back and forth to the prison for a couple of years on it. Oh yeah, and yeah. You can't beat it, man. No, those old V V fours. I mean, God, they had some power. They were fun. Yeah, and just a very dis- like you said, they're a very distinct sound. Yeah, somebody, you know, so you buy a Challenger, they call it a performance bagger, and, you know, you got the Harley Road Glides that have the capability of the 131s, and always talking about beating each other, and I'm like, dude, like, the bike I had when I was 16 would, like, put both of our bikes to shame, because me and Seth's Repentance, we ran our 131 versus uh, my Challenger, which is pretty much stock with a tune, and, he, you know, we talked about it on our videos, he was like, dude, he's like, I'm not going to lie. He's like, I was super, super disappointed in Harley and uh, what they put together at a 131 package and how Indian literally, he was like, I couldn't leave you. You couldn't leave me. We were like matched up until my, I think my rev limiter kicked in five miles an hour before his or something. I'm like, I was actually impressed with my bike. Cause I was like, you know, 131 built up all stage four. I was like, I thought for sure I was just going to see you leaving in the dust, but no, it was pretty good. But like to get to my original point, I'm like, if I wanted to buy a, you know, a bike just based purely on speed. I just go buy like a Kawasaki Concourse. You can ride those things to Alaska and back, and they're they're like lightning speed. Oh, that and they're proven. I mean, God, the mileage yeah. or same with like the old uh, the old Honda STs. Yeah, dude, those things would go forever. Oh yeah, yeah. There's actually a, a police officer in Houston, and I th- I think it's the same guy. He's like uh, he's got like the tight shirt, and he's got he's like muscles bound out and he's got a honda st and he likes he kind of dwarfs that bike but that dude rides the living heck out of that bike in houston and every time i see it i'm like man i was like that's a v4 under there i was like <laughs> i always start like maybe i should get a honda st my love for v4s 
comfortable performance sport, but no, I, I really do actually really enjoy. I have a, like a love hate for love hate relationship with the Challenger right now because uh, mine's a first year model and all that. Yeah, I can kind of get all the the quirks and little bugs worked out of them, but yeah, it's all like they, the they've grown on more. Though. Yeah, so like I uh, I actually held out for almost a whole year. Like we were at the Lone Star Rally. I don't have you ever heard of that before? Down I've heard Texas. of it. Yeah, so it's like super big. Like I'm sure people like that live in Ohio like know about all about the Sandusky Bike Week and all the Michigan people that come over. But like in Texas, it's the Lone Star Rally. So we get people from like Oklahoma, New Mexico, Louisiana, and it, I think they said this is the fourth. It's like the biggest four day rally. But uh, they unveiled the Challenger there, and I had never seen it. And I was like, dude, that's super cool. Like, uh, what is it? And like, didn't know anything about it. Started looking at it. Started to look like 100, 122 horsepower. I looked at my wife. I was like, I'm buying that bike. And she's like, not the first year model. You're not. And I was riding that Kawasaki. <laughs> <laughs> I was riding that Kawasaki Vaquero at the time, which most underrated bike out there. V-twin bagger Kawasaki Vaquero with a tune. That thing is under that's the one word people like would ask me i was like it's underrated like you, people don't realize how well it handles and how much it performs but uh yeah so we left the rally i would see the challenge you're like updated in magazines and they were talking about how great it is and i was like looking at it i was like did they change something and i was like no i don't think they did but i was like i don't think i like the way it looks and i spent like the next eight months like going back and forth back and forth and I see it in person i'd be like dude that thing's awesome looking and then i'd see it on the magazine i'd be like man that thing looks goofy and I was just like, it just, it's hard to like, even now that I have a challenger and I take pictures of it and I'm like, no, that doesn't look good. I took another picture. I'm like, oh, that doesn't look good. I'm like, man, Instagram, you need better filters. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't, I don't think it films that well. Cause in person, like I get compliments all the time, but online people are like, oh, it's like the ugliest thing ever. I'm like, yeah, it is what it is, but I really enjoy it. Like all the comfort creatures, like the ride command and all that GPS stuff, it has its quirks, but I'm getting over it. I never had it before, the, so the keyless entry saddlebags and the, yeah. there was some cool features that come stalking them. I was impressed when I went over the the Indian Indian dealership when I was down in Idaho and down to down to Meridian. You had High Desert Harley Davidson, and then right across the parking lot is the Indian dealership. Oh, really? They're set up shop right across. Oh yeah. Oh man, brutal. But yeah, yeah I you had Indian and Triumph, I think it was, and then across was Harley. Yeah. So I like I. Uh... Everyone, you know, when they pull into bike night or they pull into like the events that we go to, like everyone revs their Harleys when they pull up and park. My challenge was actually pretty loud, but I don't ever rev it up. I just look at everyone and I hit the, the down button twice and then my windshield goes down and I give them the thumbs up. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the electronic windshield. Yeah. So like everyone's like, what does it sound like? I was like, it doesn't matter. And I hit my windshield down, but I have the tab exhaust on it. it sounds It sounds pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, I got, see, I have the. 2004 road glide and i got it's got basic a stage 295 kit in it yeah i got you know the slip-ons and with the tunable baffles which i don't think there's much packing left it's it's gotten a little louder but yeah i enjoyed it it's it's a lot of fun and it's just all about getting out there and just riding and having fun yeah man i love the way the road glides look that's why everyone's like i mean i can't believe like there's like those people that are like road glide or a challenger i'm like me i'm like why not both like they both look awesome you can put a package in a road glide that can you know beat or exceed what the challenger is doing right now and uh if you really want to put the the work into it but 
I just don't under, I, I actually have a video on my YouTube. I'm like, why all the hate? Like just everyone, they're both American companies. You can both succeed and make each other better. Like, why don't y'all lift each other up and like stop talking crap? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it comes down to personal preference, you know, well, what do you want? Well, what fits you and you know, which way you want to go? And yeah. But buy one and enjoy it. And if your buddy's got the other one, then hey, great. Fuck, who cares? Yeah. Well, that's what I was always joking with, like, uh, such a penis. And then I'm like, well, if I really, really wanted to just like haul ass past you, I'd, I'd jump on my wife's bike and the scout bobber because that thing flies. It's, uh, it's got a lot of power for not weighing very much. And she's got like the stage one done to it. So it's opened up a little bit too. There you go. You can get on the line and just blow his ass away and then say, <laughs> and just wave to him. Yeah. <laughs> But I was actually talking to a dude earlier than, to this night on one of his live streams. It was he rides a Sportster, and he was like, yeah, "I don't get the hate. Like, why all the dudes call the Sportsters a girls' bike?" I'm like, "I don't know. I I can get on my my wife's Scout Bobber, which I'm six two, like two thirty, two thirty five. I fluctuate, but I uh, look like a bear on a bike on that bike. But nobody ever says, "Oh, look at that guy riding a girls' bike." Like, it never comes across. But I was like, "You get on a Sportster, and oh, look at that dude on a girls' bike." Like, <laughs> Zero cents made. I don't get it. I have no idea the whole st- stigma and like the 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 hate for that. Oh, I have a friend that's got a Sportster. I think he's done so much stuff to it. I think it's almost at around fourteen hundred now, or close to it. And that thing is so unbelievably fast. Yeah, I don't care if you're first, second, third, fourth gear. It'll damn near want to pull the front tire off the ground and just go. Oh yeah, it is absolutely insane. Yeah, and I'm, from my understanding, they're pretty bulletproof too. Like those Sportsters, those uh, I have a buddy that's like old school biker, and he does not think that at all. He's like, I don't understand why people would call the Sportsters, you know, a girls bike. You can, you can hop those engines up, and they'll run for miles and miles and miles, and they'll they'll, they'll leave everybody in the dust. But well, that, if I'm correct, the Sportster is the longest running Harley Davidson model they've ever made. Yeah. Yeah, and then I hear they're going to discontinue it, and then I mean I'm sure it'll be just for a year until they revamp it. Like they, I think they actually did that with the Road Glide. My buddy bought a Road Glide, and they discontinued it a year, and then came back with the the Rushmore project or whatever. Yeah, because I think it was 2016. Yeah, it was 16 or 17 somewhere in there. There was no Road Glide that year when they they re you know like I said they went to the Rushmore and changed it around, new frame, the Milwaukee, and yeah, yeah. Actually, my buddy's Road Glide had like the uh, Harley. Uh, uh, wobble or whatever they call it the death wobble my 06 had it and uh, i didn't know what it was until i was 80 miles an hour into a corner uh in oklahoma turnpike in my bar and i had like 16 inch apes so a harley death wobble with 16 inch apes going 80 and like the roads in oklahoma blow so next thing you know i'm like my i mean i wish you could see my hands right now but they were like violently going back and forth going 80 and i was like what the hell just happened so like i calmed down got my bike under control took off and uh, it happened like three months later so i took it back and i told the guy i was like at the dealership i'm like dude like my bike just like starts shaking out of control and he looked at me he's like yeah they do that sometimes and i was like well how do i <laughs> i was like how do i not make it do that because i've been riding since i was 16 and that's never happened to me and he goes uh you just kind of just don't do what you just did and i was like like go in a corner go in the speed limit and he's like yeah <laughs> it's like there's no mechanical fixes <laughs> and he's like well you should probably try some different springs in your forks and i was at the time i, I was that's what i was going to tell you my my 06 ultra glide standard was an 88 punched out to like a 95 with cam and it was 
it had a lot of juice behind it. But I had just gotten off a sport bike, a GXF, GSXR 750. So at the time, uh-huh. I had no clue what kind of Harley I had. I was like, yeah, it just it does all right. Like looking back now, I'm like, man, I actually had a, a Harley with some juice behind it. But uh, because I was used to riding a 400 pound rocket, it didn't feel that way. And uh, so I traded it in. I was like, I'm not even going to deal with this. And I ended up getting an, an 09 Ultra Classic, which was so good. It's such a good bike. Yeah, I enjoy mine. Mine's the 04. And I got, I mean, like yours, it's got the 95. I got the 252 gear driven cams in it and some other little goodies. And fuck, I, I love the hell out of it. It's it's fun to ride. It's got plenty of umph. And, you know, I'm, I, I did the sport bike thing. And it got to the point where it's like, you know, I had a 65 mile. 62 to 65 mile commute to come home. Yeah. I had one night, I had the GS 750 ES, which was, I think mine was 83. Yeah. And then right after they took those, those became the GSXRs. Yeah. And it got to the point one night I got home in like 37 minutes. I'm like, hell yeah. And then in the back of my mind, it's like, dude, that was stupid. Oh, yeah. It's 10 o'clock at night. There's <laughs> deer. You know, it's like, I got young kids. I'm like, this fucking bike's got to go. Yep. Yeah. That's actually like every time. I- so one bike, and my wife always teases me about it. One bike I've always wanted, but I've never owned, but I've ridden a bunch, is a Suzuki Hayabusa. And like, my I mean, my wife's all the time like, I cannot believe you want one of those bikes. I'm like, ever since I rode the 1999 one, and my buddy had it when I was stationed, unrestricted. Yeah. So my buddy bought one, and then he put like the air shifter on it, and he put like he put he tuned it, and he did all kinds of crazy stuff to it, and he's what how old was I at the time? I was 21, maybe. And he was like, You want to ride it? And this is when I was stationed in Virginia. So military member in Virginia with the bridges that are like miles long with like zero cop presence. So I was like, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so unofficially, you know, I was in Mexico when I did it. That's what's what the podcast will reflect. But uh, yeah, I got over 200 miles an hour and uh, I was like, I want this bike. And I just never, I was 21, I'm 38 now. And I've, I've I've been financially able to do it, but I just have never pulled the trigger on it. I don't know what I don't. I just like my wife. I was like, my wife's like, when are you going to get one? She's like, one day you're going to get one. I was like, yeah, but uh, today is not the day. Well, the ninety nines, dude, they're hard to find because two thousand. They that's when they got the restrictor plates in them at one eighty six. Because when those the ninety nines came out, you know they were hitting two hundred to two twenty off the showroom floor. And then the government said, uh, uh-uh, uh, no way. And that's when. All the sport bikes went to the limiters at 186. That's when they would kick out because of the Hayabusa's were so goddamn fast. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, 186. 186 was uh, fast enough. And that's like my, my Jixer would do that, my 750. And uh, looking back now, I was like, that's, I mean, to do 186 on the street, like that's just insane. Insane. But that's why I yeah. think all, all these bikes, if you look at the the push, for the uh, all you know all these sport bikes are going away and they're going to those like naked naked sport bikes that are just like absolute mm-hmm. cr- crushers up to like 120 130 140 and uh it's it's crazy what those things can do too i mean you can't even keep the front ends down like they have to have so much wheelie mitigation it's unbelievable oh and the zero to 60 and zero to 90 times on them are absolutely insane yeah yeah that's what i don't think people realize like yeah you like my challenger will be probably under four seconds zero to 60 that's good and all but until you've ridden a bike that can do zero to 60 under three seconds like the gut-wrenching pull through your backside (laughs) i don't know how vulgar i could be on this show but (laughs) oh no you're it 
everyone is labeled explicit. Don't worry. Yeah. So like, it just like feels like it pulls your intestines through your anus. Um, that's yeah. like, like when like people that like never been on sport bikes before and they're like, Oh yeah, my Harley is so fast. I'm like, it's probably fast for a Harley or my challenger is so fast. Yeah. It's probably fast for a challenger, but no one's going to be able to get on like an Oh five Jicks or 1000 and be like anywhere, anywhere close to that performance. No, when you got your feet like at a 90 degree angle and you're pushing forward, yeah. or, you know, against the pegs, trying to keep yourself forward, because mm-hmm. acceleration is pushing you backwards and you're trying to keep your weight somewhat over the top. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying. But yeah, some people, you know, they have ridden them. They don't understand the literally the freaking G forces, the acceleration those things have is, are freaking unreal. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. But I think the one the one thing that drew me to the uh, Challenger is I test rode it and I was expect I was not like I said I wasn't expecting I'm not gonna be blown away by the speed or the agility or whatever but the handling and the comfort on it like the suspension that it has on it and like the ability to like lay into the corners and like the suspension take most of the uh, guesswork out of it it's pretty it's pretty amazing like they've done a really good job with the whole frame the suspension and just what it can do as a complete package. And I think so many people get hung up on the horsepower and the torque. And I have a friend, I'm not going to name her name, but she bought a 2020 CVO. And uh, she was like, yeah, but it's got the 117. And I'm like, eh, it still is like less than 100 horsepower. And she's like, no, it's going to be faster because mine's 117 and yours is a 108. And I was like, I don't know if that's how it works. And I, <laughs> I appeased her. But yeah, it's like a year later and she spent like 45 G's on it. And spent like ten grand in the engine, and got the Legend suspension. And uh, she's uh, looking at the Indian Challenger now. She's like, I think uh, I think I made a mistake. I'm like, yeah, like a sixty thousand dollar mistake for you <laughs> if you're looking at <laughs> if you're looking at going back into the Indian world. But uh, but yeah, like people get deceived on the whole cubic inches and uh, thinking that more is going to be faster. And it's been it's been proven wrong sometimes and proven right the other times if you can really put together a good package. I don't know one of those 128 zippers or whatever it is on those Harleys. Those things that hurt are putting down crazy power. Oh, some of the numbers some of these bikes are getting. I mean, it, it's they're, it's impressive the numbers, but then when you still got to, you know, like you and, you know, like Jason gets frustrated about, you still got, you know, limiters. You only can still go so fast. Yeah. Yeah, Unless you want to pay the, the bigger bucks to get rid of that. And then you lose your warranty, which is a huge thing for buy, yeah. buying a brand new bike. And yet, I think it's a two-year warranty. To, I think, isn't it two years? Um, I, there's some places are different. I know, like, my dad has a 2019 Road Glide. And the dealership he bought his from up here at Northwest Harley-Davidson, as long as they keep up on the services and they do his servicing, it has a lifetime powertrain warranty. I've heard about that place, those kind of places. That's that's pretty pretty good. Yeah, except I mean, who wants to go pay you know three to four hundred bucks for your oil change and your services every time? And you know, it's like you know, my dad and you know myself, we enjoy doing you know working on him, doing the services. And he's like, you know, he's hit ten thousand miles. He's like, you know, I think I'm I'm about done paying these services. It's, it's so expensive. And he's like, I don't know if it's really worth it. He goes, I haven't had an issue with it. And he goes, I'm just about ready to say, cool, I'm going to do it myself now. Yeah, no, and that's like if you're doing a lot of miles, like that, like when I when they did the uh, they had a maintenance package and it was like two thousand dollars or something crazy like that, and I was like, pass. Like, you want this pass? Like, I just want the bike. I don't even want to finance it. Pass. And the guy's like, well, how much do you ride? I was like, I don't know. Like at the time, I was riding the Kawasaki Vaquero, and I had a job that didn't really uh, 
let me do what I usually did on the whole bike, but I was still putting down like 10,000 miles a year. And he was like, Oh, you should, you should definitely get the maintenance package. It'll pay itself off by the you know 15,000 mile. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. And uh, so like I took it in and I was like, you want to do the 10,000 mile while you're at it. And uh, he was like, dude, you only bought this bike six months ago. He's like, I thought you said you only ride 10,000 a month. I was like, I like this bike. <laughs> I like this bike, but. The, it's uh, changed me. It did. <laughs> and then I don't know if you can hear my dogs barking. My kid just got home from school, uh, work. Yeah, no worries, man. But yeah, got dogs too. Mine are just amazingly. They're actually being quiet right now. They're in the other room, so nice. It's all good. Yeah, but I think uh, so. We I don't I don't know if Cesar Pendant's talked about or if it was, if he had signed up. We're doing this tour of to, Texas where they like they labeled fifty sites across the whole state, which everybody out there knows Texas is huge. But 50 sites that you go and see, take a picture in front of the uh, the monument or whatever they've deemed a, a site. And uh, so we've been doing that. And that's just like, I mean, it, there's no motivation to go ride. It's just like, hey, you want to go ride? Yeah, let's go ride. But usually you go to the same places. This is actually given us like motivation to get out, go see different things, go see different roads. Like, and we'll get on like Rever or whatever and uh, just map out something cool, like a normal 45 minute ride. And next, you know, two hours later, you're, you're arriving. So I think that's been like super like everyone at first was like, you're going to pay money to have somebody list you a bunch of sites just for you to go see them. And I think that they donate money to like something, something, but uh, I was like, yeah. And at, t- at the time I was like, yeah, that does sound kind of silly. But now that we've doing it, I'm like, man, I'm doing it every year, every year. Cause it gives us an incentive, a new place to look. Cause they, they change it up every year. And I was like, I- is that, I know they have another one that's nationwide called the tour of honor. I saw that too. It goes a, a bunch of different sites, which I signed up for this year. That's really cool. And you know, there's money that goes to charity for, you know, veterans and, and different organizations. And there's, what is it? Seven monuments in every state. Plus there, there's like 50. God, I know at least for Washington, there's 50 to 75 little bonus sites. You can go to all these other ones and, you register, you get a t-shirt, you know, you get a flag that has your number on it. So you go to a little monument, you know, you park your bike, you have your flag hanging over it. Yeah. Which the flags might be, I think it's like say 10 by 15 flag with your number and the tour of honor on it. And that's another really cool little organization and just another reason to go ride. Yeah. I actually, after, I don't know if it's just like the subliminal thing, I'm looking for it now, but I, I started, I don't know if it, is it a new thing? Cause I just started seeing it like a month or two ago. And I was like, um, it well, must be subliminal because I'm doing this tour. And then all of a sudden now I'm starting to see tour flags. And Yeah, the Tour of Honor starts, it starts in April. And I know it's, I know it's been around at least two-ish years. I think it's, God, I want to say five to seven, yeah. five to seven years. And I know there's like a Go Home Ken. I had him on there and, you know, he, he had talked about it and God, I had somebody else on that was talking about the tour of honor. So I went and checked it out. It's like, heck shoot, you know, it's, you know, raising money for veterans and different organizations. Like, Hey, I'm all about that. Yeah. And it's like, Hey, heck yeah. I'll sign up and go, you know, go knock some out. And there's prizes. The first three people that get, uh, you know, the seven monuments and then you can go do other States too. You can, you know, I mean, hell there's people that ride all over the country and, you know, they'll go, go knock out a dozen States and, or whatever they want. Yeah. You know, at the end of the year, there's little, you know, prizes they give to people, plaques and all kinds of other stuff. And it's, it's pretty cool. It's a neat little organization. Yeah. No. So that's like, for me, I, I could do that. I could ride. So I could ride to Alaska and ride back. I love traveling. Like I used to do, like when I was growing up and I didn't, you know, I grew up, I grew up dirt poor. So we never, uh, 
never even got on a plane until I was like later in life and uh, until I joined the military actually. And, um, I, you know, in the military, you travel around all the time and I just would drive everywhere. I'd, I'd always choose to drive. So now that, you know, motorcycles and long distance riding, like excites the hell out of me, like getting like thinking about going and getting on my bike and riding. I have a, I have a 4,000 mile map wrapped out right now and I want to do it, but I don't have the time off from work because it's going to take a couple weeks. But to me, like when we went to Maggie Valley, I think we ended up with like 3000 miles at the end of the week. And because uh, we rode like every day when we were up there and, you know, it's like probably a thousand miles to get there, probably 1200 miles to get there. And uh, I get home and like everybody in the group's like, I am not looking at my bike for at least a week. I was like the next day I got on my bike, drove it to the dealership, got the oil change, took around Houston. I'm like, oh, man, I'm ready to go. Like, <laughs> I just like love riding. It's one of the things that. Oh, I do, too. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, like. My, I started riding dirt bikes when I was like five and I went to the road when I was around 20 and I'm what, 43 now. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, my kids grew up riding motorcycles and, you know, funny ones like my daughter, she was talking months ago. She's 22. Yeah. She's like, we should, you know, this summer we should go for a ride to Eastern Washington. I'm like, yeah, you know, Hey, that could be fun. And it was like a week after this conversation, she sends me a text. She goes, Hey, she goes, I figured out a great little ride for us. I'm like, you know, all right, cool. So I figured, you know, some little loop in Eastern Washington. Well, oh, oh no, it was like right from where I live in Port Angeles. We'd ride to Idaho, go down through like Wyoming, Colorado, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, the Grand Canyon, come back up through Colorado, South Dakota, through Montana and back. I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, you know, I messed her. So you buying a bike? Oh no, I'm just going to ride with you. Oh, okay. I was, you know, just checking. I said, it sounds like a great fun ride. Nice. Oh man, that's... just I think I think it would be great for us, Dad. We could do. What do you think? Ten days? I'm like, then it's doable. Yeah, yeah. That's how my youngest one was. She was like ride or die until this year. She's 13 now, and now she's like, well, how long are we going to be on the bike? And what are we going to do? And I'm like, you know what? I was like, <laughs> she's been on a couple of videos, and she was used to be about that life, but now she's 13 and she's got boys and she's got all these friends and dance. And I'm like, yeah, she'll come back around. I know she will. But uh, I'm sure. Yeah, there's times like last summer, my daughter would mess me like, say it was Monday or Wednesday. Hey, it's going to be great this week, and we should go for a ride. And hey, no problem. You know, I she lives like two and a half hours away, so I cruised over to. Everett, which is, you know, north of Seattle for about 45 minutes, an hour north, and picked her up. And we went up, I took her up into the North Cascades, up the North Cascade Highway, which is one of, like, hidden gems of Washington. It is absolutely freaking beautiful. So I took her up there. You know, we did a nice day ride, but she'll come home sometimes in a week, and her boyfriend, hey, you know, she'll, let's go for a little ride. Yeah. All right. (laughs) I mean, she loves it, and it's a lot of fun. You know, we enjoy it, and, you know, my wife enjoys to go for riding when it's, you know, she enjoys riding with me, but it's got to be warm. Yeah. Like at least 70 for her. Yeah, that's it. A- but it's fun. You know, it's, it's a whole family affair for us. I mean, my boys, you know, they got passions of, you know, wanting to to get street bikes. And, you know, now that we've got that other Honda, we're going to start working on, like, to get that on the road. Because, I mean, my, my youngest is 18. My middle boy, he's 20. And my daughter's 22. And, you know, the boys want to ride. It's like, hey, you know, not- you know, we got this other bike. We'll get it going on the road. And shit, one of the boys, they're both going to take their endorsement classes this summer to get their license to go through the safety course. And it'll be fun. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Having everybody involved, that's like the way to go. You know, I hear these people that have, like, I know a bunch of my friends that have motorcycles. 
and their wife is like zero percent committed to it like anti-bikes i'm like for them to get out on their bike and ride and like actually like be able to get away it's like very few and far between but on top of that like when they're out riding their bikes you can always tell their mind is back there going hmm, my wife's at home hmm, my wife's probably thinking this hmm, like i'm probably gonna have to get home by five i'm like dude i am so fortunate that my wife rides her own and is super supportive of all that but she you know she never even been on a bike until we got together and that was seven years ago she'd never been on the back like never even been exposed to that so I made sure to ride my Harley down from Tulsa to Houston on our first weekend that I came and seen her because that's when we started dating when we were, you know, distance apart. And I was like, I'm going to ride my Harley down there and we'll go for a ride and see how you like it. And yeah, she was like hooked from like day one. She's like, this is awesome. And then she rode on the back for many years. And then it wasn't until like three years ago. She's like, I want to get my own. And I think it was when we went to, I'm trying to think when it was, but yeah, it was about three years ago. She's like, yep, I'm ready to ride my own. I want to get my own and see what it's like. So she took the class just like, you know, your kids are. And we bought her a little Yamaha R3 that had about 45 horsepower. And, you know, it got up it got up and, and went pretty good. But she was ready to get a, on something a little more comfortable. And that's where she's got the Indian Scout bobber. And we've, that's freaking cool. Yeah. But as far as uh, I, I was going to go back to that Tour of Honor thing, I wanted to bring up uh, something that I'm working on. That's the, the, the PTSD event that we're uh, throwing. I want to kind of share with, with you, everybody listening of PTSD and oh, absolutely. Yeah, PTSD in the healthcare community. And I know everyone I've talked to about PTSD, they're like, oh yeah, man, the veterans and the soldiers. I'm like, yeah, but on the other flip side is the people that are here because I'm a veteran myself and I think all PTSD needs to be taken care of. But like uh, the one thing that's missing in the world is, taking care of the people that are taking care of all of our elders and all the people that are having tragedies and, you know, at younger age and uh, nurses, doctors, paramedics, like we're seeing like carnage on a daily basis. And the PTSD is rampant in our community and nobody talks about it. Like you'll hear about like doctors and nurses and like overdoses and people like suicide, like crazy. And no one ever thinks anything of it. They're like, Oh yeah, I heard they killed themselves. I'm like, is that, isn't that a problem? Like someone that's 28, got a nursing degree, like, you know, making decent money and has a good family. They just go home and off themselves. So we're actually doing a uh, fundraiser. We're raising money for a PTSD service dog. And it's a, it's like the dog's called Woodle the Poodle. And it's going to be trained by one of the local uh, service dogs centers here. And we're going to be giving the dog away for a first responder and, uh, you know, paramedic nurse. We have uh, applications going right now. And uh, we have one that's uh, in mind that we're going to be picking probably, and it's going to be in the next couple of weeks. So it's going to be a ride event. We're going to go to the Indian dealership and then ride to a local uh, a bar that's going to help us out, raise the money, and silent raffle and that stuff. So it's on our Instagram page, Salty and Sprinkles, and it's on our EMS Angels uh, Instagram page. And I've talked about it on my channel a bunch, but something I'm really passionate about because I was actually a life flight nurse for many years. And uh, my paramedic partner that I flew with, he ended up having some, we had like the same flights and like we had some carnage, like six months worth of just like we called, we got called like the shit magnets on the helicopter. Like, man, everything that you guys touch, all the patients are just horrible. Like the pilots were just like, what is your deal? Like every flight that we take is just absolute insanity. (laughs) And uh, he finally, like he cracked like six months into it. <clears throat> we were taking a flight and it was a, it was a pediatric trauma 
and I was in the, in the I was in the airway seat, and I was asking him for medications. And I look over there, and he's just staring out the window. I'm like, dude, like I need your help. Like, you know, it was, a, it was a baby, and I was like, I need your help. Like, this patient's not doing well. He just stared out the window, ignored me, and like didn't didn't say anything. Like, the pilot is like, is he okay? And I'm like, no, I, there's something wrong with him. And he just like at that moment cracked, and he was never like he had to quit being he had, he had to quit being a paramedic. Had to, he like pretty much just couldn't work anymore that was his only thing he knew how to do and i saw what it took a toll on his life so i was like man there's there's a lot of people that i've heard this has happened to and i actually witnessed it firsthand and i was like i need to do something to get the awareness out there because it's it's horrible absolutely horrible it is i mean i i spent nine years working department of corrections and i think one of the hardest ones is i had an inmate jump off a four-story building and land six feet from my feet and that, I mean, I ended up in, in, you know, in counseling and, you know, there were some of my coworkers that gave me a lot of shit. Like, oh, you're, you know, you're just a pussy. You got to go to counseling. I'm like, yeah. dude, you, Super big you, signal. you try to deal with that. I mean, you, it's one of those things that, I mean, it's been 20, probably 20 years since that incident, 18 years. And dude, there's still nights. It's like, it'll just pop in your mind. It's like, it, it's it's a visual that you can never get rid of. Yeah. You actually, your, your and, brain's actually trained to do that. Like as far as like memories that are imprinted, like they're like flash photography. And I'm trying to think, mm-hmm. I mean, somebody that's listening out there that light, rides motorcycle has a psychology degree is going to be like, Oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. It's like, it's like a flash photography of your brain. Like you can actually bring up images in a, in a moment and your brain like records it like that. And there's a, there's an actual term for it. And uh, a lot of people in nursing have that. They don't realize it. But, like, you can be sitting there thinking about something and, like, a patient that passed away or somebody. You know, I worked in a level one trauma center. And uh, the stuff that we saw on a nightly basis, shooting, stabbings, like, you know, degloving. I worked with that. Yeah. I mean, I I spent nine years working in maximum security prison. I mean, there's, you know, there's numerous things that I wish I could unsee that I never had to witness. And it's one of those jobs when I finally quit it, you know, I'd found a job that was well, for one, it was closer to home, but with those jobs, it gets to the point where it's hard to leave to leave your work at work and not bring your work home with yeah. you, not just physically, mentally, but then you also you got to look at the you know the bloodborne pathogens and everything else that you're dealing with, and you don't want to bring that home to your family either. And it's like you know what, and finally after yeah. numerous years, it's like you know what, I I can't do this job anymore. It was you know it takes a toll on you. It's like no, oh, yeah. I'm done. I you know, with the stuff I've seen, some of the stuff, you know, stabbings, the, you know, the attempted suicides, and it's like, fuck, I can't yeah. do it. It's, you know, yeah, I did it long enough, said, okay, I'm done. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I, you know, I have some friends that worked in the same environment as me that, like, we both agreed, like, it doesn't, like, nothing ever affected us in that way. Like, we'd go home and, like, you know, I can still remember stuff, like, on, like, that flash photography. I was talking about flash photography memory or whatever, and I can, like, I can recall, like, I have a freakishly weird photographic memory anyways <laughs> and but like when it comes to like all the crazy stuff like i can still remember most of it and it just doesn't affect me like i don't have nightmares i don't have problems sleeping but like for the people that do bring it home like my wife she was like i will never ever be able to do anything that you guys do because of how awful the like especially like the pediatric stuff that really really bugs people but um I don't know if it's something that's just wired in your head and like it affects people like differently, like deep inside them. But uh, I'm just like, like 
I'm fortunate that I don't have that because I'm still a nurse and I still take care of patients and uh, I've moved on to like the management side, but I still do get in there and get my hands dirty. But I feel like there's got to be a certain amount of people out there that don't have that inside them so they can continue taking care of patients because without that, you're not going to have people to give like us, you know, the patients the best care and be able to deliver the quality care that, you know, everyone deserves to be uh, received. Yeah. Now, when is this? June 6th. It's in the woodlands, like north of Houston. Okay. So, yeah. I'll let you know here. When we get off, I'm going to get in touch with you because actually I just got a bunch of shipment of, you know, some of my shirts and merchandise, but I'm also going to get with Crash Inc. with Brad Columbus because Brad is huge about his biggest thing is, you know, he preaches PMA as positive men of attitude. And I'm going to get with Brad and. I'm going to send some of my shirts and I know that Brad will chip in some of his crashing gear that he has. And we just want to send it to you. You guys can raffle it off, do what you want, but I know Brad will chip in. I'm going to send you guys a bunch of my stickers. I mean, that this whole podcast and, and what you're doing is, you know, guys like, you know, you're raising money for, you know, not so much money, but you know, funds because you want to help somebody out, I think is awesome. And, you know, for me sharing whatever you guys are putting on your social media, I'm going to, I will share my pages, yeah. but if I can help out any which way, like I'm going to, I'll send you some of my, some of the V twin life t-shirts okay. and you guys, you know, however you want to do it, you know, you wrap them off, you know, prizes, I, I don't care, but if, you know, me sending a few shirts, if it can help out in any way, I think that's awesome. And I'm, I'm honored to help. I appreciate that like wholeheartedly because I know we have like uh, an event bright we've made up a uh, Facebook event and uh, we've shared it to Instagram a few times and uh, on um, you know, motive vlogging community, everyone makes stickers and uh, we actually got our first donation. Like so that you make stickers of your channel you send them to everybody. It's a big thing. And uh, I finally oh, yeah. got, our... well, I'm going to, I'm going to send you some of those too. Cause I just got another shipment in from, well, actually Jason, yeah. me a whole bunch He's of got them. some solid stuff. But uh, yeah, oh, yeah, somebody actually sent us a twenty dollar bill, and my wife opens it up. She's like, "Why is there a twenty dollar bill in here?" She's like, "What do we? What did? What did we have to do? Like, what's our services?" <laughs> and I was like, "I don't know." Like, I didn't. It didn't even cross my mind. Like, somebody from our channel, like, actually listened and said, "Hey, these guys are doing an event for the PTSD service dog, and uh, they actually want to donate." So it was our first donation that we've gotten since we've started advertising this a couple weeks ago. And uh, like I said, we've been uh, we've been planning this for a while and like our chapter, we've been together like six years and we've been wanting to do this event. I'm not even kidding you every single year. But I started to think it was like a beast, a burden, like it was like the worst idea ever because something I'm going to knock on wood right now because every single time we've planned something, a catastrophic failure of our chapter happens like somebody dies like we've had someone die like literally one of our dudes passed away of sepsis and he was in the hospital. It was horrible. Like one of our members had a coronary artery bypass uh, for his heart. And another year, a member crashed his bike real like heavily where he was out. And I was like, and it was like right before the, like I was planning it. And I'm like, I don't think we're meant to do this event. And I was like, you know what, this year we're doing it. COVID was horrible. 2020 sucked. 2021 is not shaping up to be too much better. <laughs> it's getting better, but I was like, we're doing this event we're going to, we're going to knock it out. And I was like, we're going to change somebody's life. And uh, that's what we're doing. I think it's awesome. And yeah, I'm, I'm honored to help out. And like I said, I will get with Brad. I'll get with, I mean, 
I ride with the Legion of St. Michael's. It's a law enforcement, first responders, a military active and retired uh, motorcycle club. And I do believe we have a chapter in Texas. I know there's one in Arizona, mm-hmm. but uh, I'll spread the word with those guys also. Yeah. yeah and then I, I'm, I'm honored. I'll share, you know, all your stuff. I will definitely share, you know, my Instagram, my Facebook pages, and, and I will get with some of my sponsors and see what we can also uh, get sent your way just to help out to, to raise more money for because i think this is absolutely awesome yeah i appreciate that man because we're like kind of starting from the ground up like like i said we're like a bunch of nurses and medics and like people like we're like yeah we can like put a bunch of money like we're getting our 501c3 right now and uh mm-hmm. covid <laughs> covid has ruined that whole process like literally we've, we, oh, we, have, only we applied for it like months ago and we haven't even been assigned a person to take care of the account i'm like um I was like, what are we going to do? Like, by the time this event happens, you know, we're asking these people for donations and we don't have a tech, we don't have a 501c3 yet, but we've, uh, we followed up with them this week and hopefully, hopefully we'll hear something so we can actually get people some, you know, tax donations and write-offs for any kind of donations they give. Yeah. I'm not worried about that part. I just, I'm going to send you guys what I can. Like I said, I'm going to get with Brad and a bunch of other people. I think what you're doing is absolutely awesome. And see, I'm trying to do, I'm looking at doing a, a charity ride poker run this summer up here. It'd be about a 300 mile oh, ride. Nice. And, you know, I got the ride all planned. It's just a matter, you know, picking, you know, what I want to do and then getting, you know, trying to line up more sponsors and more people. And, yeah. you know, I've been so inspired. Like I had a riot on, I think he was about seven or eight episodes and he started his foundation. He's riding for jar hope and, and his cure, uh, mile monsters incorporated trying to, find a cure for Duchenne's disease. I think it's Duchenne's muscular sclerosis. Yeah. Yeah, And he, you know, met a a young boy and I mean, he just rode from New Jersey to the highest point in Oklahoma. I think it was 1600 miles and did it in under 24 hours. Oh, nice. I mean, he's an extreme endurance rider and, you know, he's been, he started his 501 C3 with the mile monsters and he's, you know, his goal, I think he raised, over 70,000 last year for Duchens for jar of hope. And he is now, you know, dedicated his, you know, uh, motorcycle riding, which he's, I mean, people look at, you know, some of us say, man, you guys ride a lot. And then you can look at this guy that does over a hundred thousand miles a year, whether he's doing, I mean, he's a Hokahe rider and with all his other events, he does. I mean, the guy rides so many miles. He did the 48 states in under eight days. That's insane. Yeah, that's like truck That's like truck he, driver miles. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, he's doing on his bike called Pearl. What's really cool is he buy, it's an ultra classic okay. or an ultra, and he puts a new fairing on it every year, but he meets people like he had some pictures here recently, like, uh, you know, he got to meet one of Oklahoma's finest and, you know, got a picture with him as, you know, the cop is signing his fairing. And he collects all these signatures when he meets people. He has them sign the fairing, and he auctions that fairing off at the end of every year and then buys a new one, has it painted, and then starts again. And, you know, he's – he, you know, befriended his little friend Jamesy, who I think Jamesy's 13 or 14. And, you know, Wright's goal is he wants to raise money and save Jamesy's life so Jamesy can continue because Dushin's is fatal. And yeah. There's there's no cure for it, and you know it's his biggest goal. And I think he's been you know so inspiring to me, you know meeting him, and then I hooked up with you know with K Solo and 
some of these other guys do these serious endurance riding, but they're also raising money for, for different charities and, you know, really trying to help more people. And it's been so inspirational, even like what you're talking about, you know, what you want to do for the PSC PTSD service dog is it's awesome. And, you know, I'm honored to help in any way I can. I think it's, it's so cool. And, you know, I find you guys inspirational to me, to myself. Oh man, I appreciate that. That means a lot. But yeah, I just, I, I think, you know, it was back when I was in the military and I was like, what do I want to do with my life? I was like, I, I was like, I don't think I want to be in the military forever. I was like, I, I just, one of those things in the back of my, you know, I could feel it in my chest. I could feel it in the back of my head. I was like, I'm destined to do something different. I was like, I need to help. So I was like, I want to help people. I don't know in what capacity. I was like, to do that, unfortunately, I have to go to college. And if anybody knew me in high school, like when I went to college, because I did the military first, <laughs> I went back to Ohio where I went to high school for two years only and did not have a very good experience in high school. Going to Ohio from Texas, just want to get that out there. Don't I don't recommend anybody to do that. But <laughs> <laughs> so I go back to Ohio to go to college and like, everyone's like, you're going to college. Like, <laughs> like, what are you, what are you going to do? Just drink your way through college. And I was like, uh, no, I actually, you know, I, I'd like, you know, at the time I was like, I don't know if I want to be a doctor or a nurse or if I want to be a paramedic. So my first two years I was job shadowing and I was like, you know, just learning like what different disciplines were out there. And, um, yeah, nursing is where I landed, man. Like I, I had some good experience with the the roundings and the job shadowing, and and uh, I thought I wanted to be a doctor at first. Then I, I went and I, I, shall, I, I shadowed a bunch of ER doctors, and they were like, "Whatever you do, don't be a doctor. It is not worth it." <laughs> I was like, and everyone was miserable. So I was like, and I started talking to ER nurses, and this was back, you know, twelve, fifteen years ago, and things are different now. Like, like the medical field is like so different. And uh, the ER has changed dramatically. Like you, it's just our healthcare system is so overrun. Like I, I, I have to applaud the ER nurses of today because of how much difficulty they have and so much different uh, aspects of their job because they're taking patients and they're keeping them in there for like two and three days. Like when I was an ER nurse, that wasn't a thing. Like short-term relationships, you fix them, you make their day better and you move on. But now the ER nursing and our healthcare system is so jacked up. And I just feel so bad for like a lot of those, uh, you know, frontline workers and, you know, they're seeing all this traumatic stuff, but then they're having to take care of, you know, legit ICU patients. And uh, it's just crazy, crazy what this uh, COVID has done to our healthcare system and uh, turned it upside down, legitimately turned it upside down. But uh, yeah, so that's why we want to do this event, man. Like, I, I just feel like if more people had that mentality of like wanting to change the world for the better. Like even like half the people out there, our world would be so much different. Oh, I, I totally agree with you. I'm so over the whole COVID thing. I'm just ready to get on. I mean, you know, it's it's one thing, you know, saying that I did learn when in department of corrections, you can never go back to normal. You go back to a new normal, but I can't wait for things to become a new normal. And we just can, move on with our lives and, and, and get along yeah. and get back to being, oh, you yeah. know, what we used to be in a way, but it's never going to be the same. So you, you move on to that new normal of life. Yeah. No. Cause like I said, this thing is not going anywhere and it's going to mutate. And that's what viruses do. And every year they're going to have a new variant and we're going to have to protect ourselves in any way possible. And like I said, it's just going to, I foresee it for being the new, the new flu thing as far as taking a flu shot every year and, 
I can just see it happening now. Like our our hospitals are actually talking about mandating it, like making you take the COVID vaccine, and so there's an up and or, up in arms roar about all that. So it's going to be interesting where politics go in that. <laughs> Gotta love politics. Yeah, we'll we'll let the the politics decide that. That's the one thing I I don't dive in. I mean, we all have our political points, and that's fine. Yeah. And I just zero percent. I don't dive into that whole. Oh year. no, no way! <laughs> I don't ever talk about it. So. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, but yeah, when uh, that's one thing I was going to tell you about my long, like riding long distance, and it's just like almost needing a reset, like getting out on the bike, knowing you got a destination, and you just have no other responsibilities. Like it's just one of the best feelings. And like I said, I, I mean, personally, I don't have PTSD, but like the stress of healthcare and the stress, you know, the stress of taking care of people on its own is astronomically high. And uh, just being able to like even ride to work now, like it just like resets me almost every day. I ride to work, get there. And I'm like refreshed. I'm like, Oh, that was awesome. 30 minutes. And then I get off of work. And if I'm stressed, I'll take the long way home and it's 45 minutes. So <laughs> right there, I get like almost two hours of therapy. And that's, you know, one of my favorite little hashtags that I like to use is throttle therapy. Yeah. And it's very true. I mean, I'm the same way I can have a bad day and it doesn't have to be a hundred miles. It can be just 10 minute little oh, yeah detour around you know some back roads around my house and come back and then you feel refreshed and it's like all right you know i'm i'm better yeah and that's uh i try yep. to tell people like because people are all the time like when i first got into a healthcare i got into healthcare when i was 27 26 26 and i started working at a level one drama center and i'd been riding for 10 years i like pulled up on my motorcycle i walk in with my helmet and they're like um what is that like all the nurses were like you ain't gonna be riding that for very long i was like why is that because you're gonna see some horrible horrible stuff on motorcycle wrecks and i was like okay like been riding for 10 years i've seen some wrecks but i mean they were right the stuff i've seen on motorcycle wrecks was pretty gnarly but uh it didn't deter me like i said and i went through different stages like i, I worked in the er and then I worked in a trauma ICU. So I got to see like what happens after they stabilize a trauma, like a motorcycle or MVC motor, motor vehicle crash. And, oh, d- you know, here's one for you, dude. I have a scar that goes from ear to ear. I crushed my whole head in a motocross race. I actually broke my helmet in half. on. Oh impact. my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it. I mean, I broke both cheekbones. I shattered my forehead, my eye sockets, lost my nose, lost my sinuses. Oh, man. 12, 12 skull fractures and ruptured spinal cord. I was leaking spinal fluid through my nose. Yeah, like one of the worst, worst headaches but, ever. Uh, well, no, not until way later because actually during, well, the impact actually severed one of the nerves in my head for oh, pain. Oh, really? So I, I didn't really have much of a headache. But like God's divine. <laughs> yeah. Well, here you go. But I'm the the crazy you feel this. the crazy side effect is is hair growth. I mean, if, if I get say a quarter inch of hair in my head, I get the worst headache from Are it you now. Serious? And it's literally the only side effect from my surgery. And the doctors could never figure out. It's like, well, you know what? Short hair don't bother me. And you know, since I've hit that age, I got that little shiny spot in the back. Yeah. I just, I just keep my head, you know, high and tight and Gillette that baby other, every other day. Oh man. Good. I've never heard of anybody getting a headache from that's insane. Yeah, that's the only thing because, I mean, they – my dad thinks he actually saw my surgery on TV because he told me when they did it, my parents had to sign a release because it. this was 1990 or 91. They really had never done something so 
invasive where i mean they peeled my face off to my lips and then rebuilt my head my face from my lips all the so way back up. in that time that was like revolutionary yeah so they wanted to film it for you know school and medical purposes and you know my dad it was probably 10 years ago goes you know i think i swear to god last night you know your surgery was actually on tv and it's like huh, that, that been would be super super interesting to see see what you went through but on like a bird's eye view i guess <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but uh, you know, I'm still riding. Like I said, I I got out of the trauma life. I uh, I work in a cardiac cath lab, but uh, I did life flight, did trauma ICU, and I've seen like all aspects of what happens. You know, after you completely destroy yourself on a motorcycle, and like I said, it's not pretty, and that's why we wear it. Like now, I wear all the gear because I uh, I took a spill like two months ago, and it was like a fluke accident, and it was like it was low speed, maybe ten miles an hour. I hit some oil, my bike slid and I, you know, I high sided it, but I high sided it on a weird angle. So my body was all discontorted in the air and I landed on my face, which I have a full face helmet on. And uh, after that, I was like, you know what? I knew there was oil there. Like it was slippery when we were waiting for the stoplight. And I was like, someone had dumped oil all over the intersection. And I still freakishly wrecked my bike. And uh, one of the things I had a really bad throttle response on the Challenger and the stock in the stock format like and if you read about it like a lot of the 2020s did so like when i went to engage my throttle it went from like zero to like 100 <laughs> and i was in oil in the middle of the turn so it's like a recipe for disaster but after that i was like you know what i'm gonna google the most free-flowing jacket that they have and the clem induction got the nod and we've been riding with full gear since and it's been it's been a little hot but it's not bad and see, that's like me. I recently went to, well, actually, it's probably a month ago. To I went to the full faces. I mean, I rode in a half helmet on, on the road for, Jesus, 15, 16 years. It's like, you know what? I think I'm, you know, it's time where it's like, I'm just, I went to a modular. I love it. And I actually noticed, like, when I first got it, I went for a ride on a cold day. I think it was, like, low 40s, upper 30s. And it's like, man, I should have done this a long time yeah. ago. It's a huge difference. And not getting hit in the face with stuff, added bonus. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, even, you know, I mean, even with my beard, I mean, I got a you know, longer beard, but it's like my face stays so much yeah. warmer. I mean, like you said, though, yeah, bugs and rocks or even, I mean, I had, well, this last incident, you know, right in hail and hail sleet. Jack you it's up. so, oh, I did it last, last fall. We went on the toy run. It started hailing right before we got to the casino, and I was... You know, me and my dad riding down the road with our nose and our face and our forearms because we're both wearing half helmets and, you know, there was no forecast rain or anything and we ended up getting pelted with yeah, hail. No, that's, uh, I've had that situation. I was actually riding back from St. Louis. Uh, I was up there for a training course for Life Flight and I was riding home and it was the same thing. I was like, it was like a 10% chance of rain at the very beginning of the day. And then by the time we got out, they're like, all right, you guys can go. It was like green outside. You know, if, if you ever lived like near like where tornadoes live, <laughs> it was like green and like freezing. It was like 40 degrees when it was like 80, like an hour ago. And I was like, this is probably not, not good for me. But I, that was my motorcycle was like my only mode of transportation. And I had ridden it up there. So I was going down the highway of, you know, St. Louis. And next thing you know, it was like, I heard a tink and I was wearing a half helmet and I heard another tink. And next thing you know, like my lap was full of ice. I was like getting pelted in the face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then shit. it started flooding on top of that. Like the highways like had like three inches of water. 
and I was like trying to pull off on the like there was no overpasses and I was like I ended up pulling into this gas station and everyone was just looking at me like you are a dumb son of a bitch <laughs> but like my face I had cuts on my face from the the I, uh, the the hail like it actually busted my cheek open and uh waited for the storm to pass and I was like I didn't even make I, I made it to Fort Leonard Wood where my buddy was stationed at and I called him I'm like hey dude I'm like I'm not making it back to Tulsa today I was like I am beat up so I pull in and he's in the motorcycle club and he's, I mean, he's still in the club, but he was in a club up there and I pull in and all of his brothers are out there. They're like, dude, he's like, they're like, they thought I got in a fist fight. They're like, did you just get, did you just get your ass kicked? I was like, yeah, by mother nature, like literally hailstorm <laughs> had bloodied my face. Like my arms were red. Holy yeah, crap. So that was like my one and only hailstorm story of like, you know, I've been riding for 22 years now. And that was, I mean, literally it was like a 400 mile ride home and I didn't, I made it halfway. I was like, I can't do this. I'm, I felt so bad. <laughs> it yeah. hurts. I mean, it felt like I went through a full, like, it is like a full fist fight is how I felt at the end of the ride. But now, like you said, full face, full yeah. face or nothing, man. Like getting hit in the face and like, I yep. should have known because I actually took care of a dude that he ended up perishing, but he, uh, he got hit right in the head by a shingle that flew off. And it hit him right in the head. Yeah, it hit him Ooh. right in the head, and it knocked him off the bike. And uh, yeah, he died. Like, and everyone was like, "Yeah, if he would have just been wearing a helmet, he probably wouldn't have been." Because the the person that watched it said it hit him in the head, and they're like, "Yeah, his eyes rolled in the back of the head, and he just like rolled off the bike." <laughs> I was like, "Well, yeah, that, that that'll happen when you go face first into the cement going eighty on the highway." Yeah. Yeah. Very but, sure. Oh, this stuff. Like that's the thing that's great about being a nurse in the trauma center. I get to learn all the people's mistakes and I can be a better rider for that. And that's what I always try to tell like people that we ride with like other clubs. And then when they, they, when they know we're EMS, they're all the time asking, what do you, what do you think about this? Or what do you do to, you know, like everything's medical or riding associated. Cause especially when they find out we're trauma, trauma trained. So it's exciting. Well, I had one, it was a couple of years back when one of my other, you know, the old skid lid half helmet. I had a B. It got underneath my strap, but right by my ear, and he stung me right in front of my oh, eardrum. Really? And I'm trying to get it out, and it was probably 10 seconds after I got stung, the throbbing in my eardrum. I had to pull over on the side of the road. Me and my wife were riding. It's like, dude, I can't, and end up pulling the stinger out like right in front of my eardrum, but the throbbing going into mm. my ear was freaking brutal i had to you know wait about 10 minutes and i think she had some ibuprofen it's like dude i need something this is yeah it was fucking horrible yeah, i don't i don't mess with bees man those things are I, yeah i hear about people getting stung all the time and i'm gonna knock on wood again because like i said I, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of miles i've ridden i've never had a bee sting me i'm gonna get stung now i know it <laughs> i know it that's the only time and he literally had wedged himself between my cheek and my yeah. helmet strap and he was stuck there, and so he freaking yeah. stung I got, me. I mean, but the only other one once I caught a bumblebee on the inside yeah, of my thigh, and I was doing, I was doing probably eighty ish, and my buddy was in front of me, say five bike lengths on his ultra classic. And he looked back because he said he could hear hear me screaming because dude, it felt like I got shot, and I could see the bumblebee coming. I'm like, oh, this ain't good. It's it's one of those things. I mean, you might have a second or two, but. You can see it. Yeah. It was huge. And he hit me on the inside of the thigh. 
like blew my leg open on my bike and I'm all met, man. I was, I was screaming like a bitch. That yeah. hurt so bad. Oh no, man. I've, I've been hit by some weird shit on, uh, on, uh, on the bike. But, uh, I uh, think the, one of the funniest things was, I mean, I, God, I wish I could like, I wish it was, I wish it was a video podcast because my imitation of it's hilarious, but I had a Dyna <laughs> street Bob and we had met up with a, a bunch of our members from Austin at this Mexican restaurant halfway and uh we ate and it was good times we we go to leave and i'm on the bike she's on the back she wasn't riding her own at the time and uh we were riding and something hit my helmet like a big bug and she was like oh my god did you see that did you see that and i was like what are you talking about she's like that bug that just hit you is disgusting well i looked down on my leg and i had this big glob of shit on my leg <laughs> And I looked down, I point, I pointed it at it, at it, and she was like, oh, gross. So I grabbed it with my finger, and I ate it. <laughs> she is on the back of the bike, leaned over, and I'm on a dyno, street bob. We're going like 90 down the highway, and she's puking almost over the side, like gagging. <laughs> but what it was, was a big glob of uh, beans and chili, like out of a burrito. <laughs> <laughs> so like she thought i was eating bug guts and i like looked down and i knew what it was i was like that's a freaking burrito part of my burrito that was just stuck to my leg like now people are gonna be like this dude's a human disgusting human being <laughs> but, yeah so i funny. ate it going down the highway and that, that oh, was when i had the half helmet the half helmet of course because i could eat through my uh you know not having a full face but yeah, she'll never let me live that down. She's like, I will never forget the time that I thought you ate a big glob of bug shit. <laughs> that is freaking hysterical. But yeah, that's uh, the stories from the road that we can just share all day, probably. Oh, yeah, th- there's a ton of them. That's no shit. But damn, man, it's been almost yeah, an hour and 20 minutes. It's, it's gone by fast. Dude, it does sometimes. And that's the fun of this. You start having. You know, just talking and conversating and stories and man, time freaking flies. Yeah, that's what, actually, me and Such Dependence went on a channel called Two Wheels Down. He's got a pretty cool channel. He's kind of new. He's like an old whiskey channel that's converted into motor vlogging, but he likes to hold these Wednesday night live streams. And me and Such Dependence went on there, and like I had people messaging us on Instagram, and they were like, I can't remember what the one guy said. He was like, dude, he goes, you. And sets repentance and two wheels down. Like you guys, like you and sets repentance, especially are like perfect for each other. You feed off each other and they're like assholes tend to run together real well. <laughs> and I was like, see, that's what I was just thinking would be fun is, you know, whether say a week or two, you know, we figure out a time is actually me, you and fucking sets repentance do a, do a group episode. Cause those are even funner. You get three, four people and you yeah. feed off each other and it's a oh, freaking blast. Because especially now that me and Sensor Pendants have like stories from the road. And, uh, but no, like, I don't know what it was, but that night, and it was crazy because I had a bad day at work. And I had told, I, I was talking to Jason, I was like, yeah, I'm going on this guy's, this uh, YouTube channel, like live stream. And I was like, I have no energy. Like, I'm tired. Like, I don't feel. I don't feel good. Like, I don't feel good about it. Like, I'm not going to have a good showing, you know, like, you know, these artists that go on these, you know, talk shows, you know, I hear about all of them taking all these drugs because they have to hype themselves up. And I told them, I was like, maybe I just need to go drink like three or four beers. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. 
But then Jason's like, hey, I'm going on the show tonight. And I was like, what? Oh, my God, let's go. Like, I was, like, ready to roll. Like, that's all it needed was him. And I was like – and it ended up being, like, one of the best fun that I've had since starting this YouTube channel was uh, yeah, Two Wheels Down, his channel, as a live stream. But, yeah, we had a blast. Like you said, we were feeding off each other and just joking and laughing. And I think that would be a great idea for sure, man. I would, I would be down. Oh, absolutely. I think – we're going to have to hook that up soon because I think that'd be a lot of fun. It's like, yeah, the times I had Jason on here and even, you know, the phone calls, I mean, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, I think we're definitely going to have to hook that up for the, the near soon future. That'd be a freaking yeah, kick in the no, pants. I'd be 110% behind that. Sweet. So is, so is, your cha- is so, this podcast going to stay a podcast? Are you ever going to think about doing video with it? Because I know there's the, the five dirty uh, bikers. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I, I'm working on that part. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not super yeah. tech savvy is really where it bottles down to. And uh, it's like, you know, Jason's like, oh, dude, I'll, I'll help you. And same with, uh, what's it called? Bry the Biker. Yep. He's out of the East Coast and he does, part of his stuff is, uh, his job is actually doing that. And he, I've been on his YouTube podcast and, you know, we, we talk probably at least once a month and he's like, dude, anything you need, he goes, let me know. He goes, man, I, I'll help you do whatever. And. I'm working on that side. I just got to try to educate myself a little That's bit all, more. Really. Pretty much my whole last, you explained my whole last five months in a nutshell, figure, figure stuff out on the job by yourself and have to rely on other people. Like I told Seth Spinners tonight, I'm like, man, can I just like send you all my footage and you edit it for me? Cause his editing is unbelievable. All the special effects he has. Dude, he's getting freaking good at all the stuff. He yeah, does. Like That's I said, I, I actually, I filmed last, it was yesterday. Sunday was yesterday. Yeah. I actually filmed and one of the things my topic was like things you should know about motovlogging, like if you should do it or whatever. And then I started talking about like what I look for in a channel when I follow people. Like there's a lot of people that just like subscribe to people's channel and never watch them. And uh, I always watch a first couple of videos and there's always three things that I want to like look at is like good audio and like editing. Like that's just, not even like what I'm looking for. I'm looking for like good content, like what they're doing, a purpose of the channel, and then personality. That's all such a pendants. I'm like, dude, you have like the personality, you have the editing that's like better than like 99% of us out there. I was like, I was like, I think if you just mm-hmm. have like a direction or a goal or like, you know, I know he does the day tripping thing, but I was like, uh, like a purpose, like a purposeful niche or something. Like, you know, me and my wife do the, the foodie thing, like we go and eat and like, talk about the food and we have a little discussion on the bike, but you know, more like more and more of it's just going to the, you know, the places and trying out new stuff and getting off the bike. <clears throat> so I told him, I'm like, once you figure that out, I was like, the sky's the sky's the limit for you. I was like, he just, I was like, you just need to stay positive. Keep, keep your head to the ground and keep plugging away. Cause your editing skills are awesome. Like even like the video, like I was telling you about me learning the craft and, trying to do uh, different shots and angles. I'm like, my mind does not work like that. Like I, like I was at the same places as Jason on our trip. <laughs> I was like taking pictures of stuff and, and videoing with my iPhone. And, and like, I, I compare our videos and I'm like, dude, I literally took a video of the same shit you did. And I was like, you made it look like freaking ma- magic. And I'm like over here, like, yeah, this is my iPhone picture. <laughs> so I know when it comes to pictures, dude, you got to get Snapseed. It's a free editing app, and that thing is freaking Snapseed. amazing. Yep, it's by Google. Dirty. It's a it's a free. F- <laughs> oh no, dude it it will make your pictures 
night and day freaking difference. You can play with them and do all kinds of stuff. Just the basic tuning of the image, you've got like a dozen little, your saturation, the brightness, the warmth of it. There's all kinds of stuff you can adjust and it does wonders. Can you take existing pictures and do it? All right. Yep. Yeah. you, You take your picture and then you open up Snapseed. There's like a little plus icon. You hit the plus, it'll open up your pictures and select what picture got you it. want. I already to got it. <laughs> yeah, it's freaking sweet. Oh, You'll love it. I will definitely try to use that. So there you go. Well, shoot, man. This is this has been a lot of fun. So actually, before we close, now where can everybody, you know, find all your stuff? Kind of let you direct people to yeah, your so our YouTube is salty and sprinkles, just kind of spelled out. Um, our Instagram is the same, salty and sprinkles. And uh, we have a Facebook page now, and Facebook's super, super weird about naming yourself. Like, you can't put fake names in there or like names that they think you made up. So I put it as salty EMS angel. And then in, in the parentheses, it says salty and sprinkles. So I don't think we're popular enough to like, we have 140 friends, but, uh, Hey, yes, I'm one of them. That's though. all that matters. I'll admit that. <laughs> but uh, right. yeah, so I'm new to, like I said, I deleted Facebook because I was like falling into the negative trap of them just showing me all the crap that I don't want to see. And uh, now I'm just uh, trying to keep it all motorcycle related and nothing negative or political. Like I can't stand it. That's what I'm, I mean. It's for, I mean, everything happens for a reason. And now I'm here on uh, on a YouTube channel and I'm, I'm tapping on that, that milestone of 1000 subscribers. So that's, I never in a million, never in awesome. a million years would have dreamt like anybody would follow the channel, let alone like you know, nine hundred and forty of them. I think like ten of them are family and friends, though, so that doesn't count. Yeah, I got like fifty-seven, but you know, I, I got to try to get more busy and, and try to hone my craft and, and learn that uh, that whole side of it. Yeah, man. Like I said, con- consistency. <laughs> like we've been doing the one one a week for five months, and it seems to be uh, working. I actually. I don't know if this is good advice, but I out of my own personal adventure, I started doing those shorts, like they're 30 seconds or less clips that you just like put on there and try to do some cool artistic stuff. I think that actually like destroyed my algorithm for YouTube because my subscriber count went to like nothing for like two months. Like I was like, man, like people must really hate these shorts, but like my average view duration went to nothing. Because one of my views, one of my, my one of my shorts got like seventy five hundred views, and I like literally fell off the map. I was like, something weird, something's weird is happening. Because I was uh, talking with another uh, YouTube channel, and we were going like sub for sub. It was like a joke, like who's gonna get to a thousand first? And at like seven hundred, I just like stopped, and I was like, whoa, like what happened here? So I think it was the shorts. I don't think YouTube's built that into the algorithm yet. And uh, if people are out there doing it, like, and if they don't see, if they don't see any growth, like I, I would advise them to maybe turn, turn that short into like a five minute video and uh, see if that works. Cause it destroyed yeah. my productivity on my uh, YouTube channel, but I am definitely not an SEO SEO expert. <laughs> I see some of these people that have been doing it four or five months and have thousands of subscribers. I'm like, oh, I don't know how they did it, but I'm having fun. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the bottom line, whether you're, you know, doing your stuff on Instagram, YouTube, you know, people do get caught up in that subscriber content, but I think it's the biggest thing, you know, if you're having yeah. fun, you're doing it, then, Hey, you know what? It's a win yeah, right I was, there. I was, I was I, actually, this is actually kind of a funny story. <laughs> I 
one of the bigger YouTuber guys reached out and was like, dude, your videos are entertaining. And they're like, you know, like you have value in it. You have content, you have a motorcycle club, you have like your wife that rides, like you have like this trifecta going for you. He goes, he's like, I'm not going to lie. He's like, your editing is super basic. And I was like, I don't really do anything with editing. I like chop clip, like put some stuff over some stuff. I got like different camera angles now. And he's like, but it's working. Like you don't, you don't have to do all that special stuff. And he was like, this is like, you know, just keep doing you and having fun. And it was um, like really, really good advice because at the time I was like, man, like, oh, this, and he was like, you could be at 1000 subscribers in like no time. <clears throat> and I was like, I keep hearing that. Like, what is all this like hoorah about 1000 subscribers? And he's like, um, you get monetized. And I was like, and monetized means what? And I was like, so dumb to YouTube. That's how dumb I was. I was like, what do you mean monetized? And he's like, uh youtube pays you for your videos if they're good and i was like like they pay you money like real money like or like or is it like cryptocurrency and he was like no like you get paid on youtube he's like you don't know like youtubers get paid money i was like no like i didn't know that at all like that was not is that real life i was like i thought that was like a joke and they're like no dude like you're like 200 away from getting paid this is like a couple you know a month ago or whatever and I was like, no shit. And I was like, I could actually make a little bit of money while doing something that I'm having fun with. And that was like, I just started to do for like memory collecting. And I was like, that's just like pretty, pretty cool. I, I actually told my wife, like any, if I do make any money off of it, it's probably going to go right into our donation into the uh, PTSD because we're going to keep going. We're going to keep raising money. It's not just going to be like June 6th. We're going to keep it rolling. So anything we do, yeah. it's just going to be donations. Anything, if I, if I do monetize my channel, then that's what I'm going to make sure everyone knows about that. That's yeah. Awesome. So, but shoot, man. Hey, this has been fun. And we're definitely going to have to hook up with Jason here in the near, near future and do, and do a, a good group episode. I think that'll be a lot of fun, but Hey, thank you for, uh, you know, taking time on a year night. I know it's a little later where you're at now and, and talking bikes, dude, this has been a lot of fun. I, I yeah, I actually get it. to sleep in until like six tomorrow because I'm actually in a leadership uh, educational class for the next two days. So I was like, eh, I can I can afford to stay up till 11 tonight. It's like only 10, 18. But no, like, thanks for having me on. Like I said, I was, uh, when you asked me about the podcast, I was like, okay, where's, uh, where's, where's, uh, where's the guy that, the, the punked guy? I'm like, is someone going to joke with me? I was like, <laughs> Ashton, where's Ashton at? <laughs> get us. Yeah, get to sleep in, man. I get to get up at three o'clock to go to work oh, in the morning. That's Good times, early. it is. But hopefully, I'll be off by three o'clock because I got a baseball. That's my other hobby. I I announce baseball and do all the music for our high school varsity team. And I think this might be my last year. My last, my youngest son. This is his senior year, so we got two home games. So my my boss is his son also plays baseball. He understands, you know, it brings a total different environment. So when I started working for him a little while ago, he's like, by the way, he goes, we're going to work around all the baseball games. He goes, you need to be there one, you know, to watch your son play. But he goes "Two, what you do for the whole team, everybody there, he goes, it makes it an awesome environment to be at. And it's like, fuck, that's cool. Yeah, man. Thank you cool. for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so we'll shoot Joe, man. This has been a yeah. lot of fun. Like I said, we're definitely going to have to do this again soon. So, and, you know, you let everybody can check them out at Salty and Sprinkles on YouTube, the Salty EMS on Facebook and Instagram. And shoot, man. So in closing, you know, hey, thank you guys all for tuning in to the V-Twin Life on Milepost 36. If you guys like this content, hey, you can follow along. You can check me out at the V-Twin Life underscore podcast on Instagram, on Facebook, 
We're just the V Twin Life. And if you like this, you guys, you know, feel free to subscribe, follow along. And, you know, if you want to be a guest, hey, shoot me an email at the V Twin Life at gmail.com or you can mess me off Facebook and or Instagram. And, hey, let's talk motorcycles. Have a good time. So, everybody, hey, ride safe, have fun. Joe, thanks yeah, for thanks coming. Thanks for having on. me. It was a blast. And, uh, absolutely. This has been a lot of fun, you know. And like everybody else, man, hopefully sometime in the near future, our, our paths will cross on the crossroads and, we can have some fun, you know, throw back a beard, have some good food, and, and tell oh, some more stories. 100%. Like I said, we're going to Sturgis this year, so if you want to plan a Sturgis trip, we can meet you there. <laughs> well, I, I've been invited. I mean, you know, wild asses and, and a bunch of guys want to go there, and I'd love to. I just started that new career this year, so I don't know if I can yeah. swing it, but I do want to get there at some point. Heck, yeah. So I've never, I've never been to the but West hey. Coast, so maybe I'll make it out there in the next year or two. Hey, if you do, man, you, you got a place to stay. I got a big RV you can crash in. We, I'm a barbecue connoisseur right. and extraordinary. Right. So trip to the Pacific Northwest and is, uh, and, and it's going to happen. <laughs> there you go, right. man. So, hey, ride safe, guys, everybody. Hey, ride safe, have fun, Joe, you and your wife. Hey, ride safe. You guys have fun, and thanks for coming on, and 